Hi, and thank you for listening to Dream 10X Radio, where we interview people attempting to live extraordinary lives. Our twofold purpose is to both direct and inspire people bold enough to do the same. Dream 10X. Face your fears. It's your boy, JC. Welcome to the Dream 10X Podcast. I'm Dr. Capel, his co-host. And this is episode 55. Wow! And in the... <laughs> what? It's you're exciting! So, you're so enthusiastic. It's 55 episodes! <laughs> 55 episodes we're going to do this. All right. This episode, we are going to talk about learning. Again, we've, we've talked about learning in the past. Um, I think it was episode 30 we were just talking about mm-hmm. where we uh, looked at the book, The Talent Code, and learned about myelin sheaths in our brain and how deep practice helps solidify those neural pathways in your brain and you get smarter and better at doing things um, over your 10,000 hours of mm-hmm. practicing. Well, um, recently I got interested in uh, solving the Rubik's Cube. And I've, I've had one forever. And but I'm, it's something you've always wanted to do, right? I've always wanted to do as a yeah. kid. This came out in the 1970s. Uh, it was invented by a Hungarian. Really? Did you know that? No, I didn't. His name was Enro, in, in Erno, Erno, sorry, Erno Rubik. And he's, wow. he's still around. Yeah. And he, he, he is, was uh, an architect, architectural professor mm-hmm. and an entrepreneur and a puzzle saw he liked puzzles yeah and, and so he created this and um as you know luck would have it he was able to find a distributor in the united states and it just became viral and and now it's sold billions worldwide you know how this, i solved it toy. i oh. took all the stickers off and put it back on and that was a popular <laughs> way you could also <laughs> pop it apart that was oh, another really? way that as, when we were kids we would just pop it apart and put it back yeah. together. and i never wanted to do that i never wanted to break it you know and so, but i could never figure it out and um i could only get like a maximum of three sides mm. That's pretty good. And and so I, you know, as a kid, you know, you're like, oh, okay, I can't figure it out, and you just get bored and you move on with other things. But for some reason, this has stuck in my head for a long. A lot of people at work are able to to solve them really quickly. Oh, wow. And my daughter Claire's uh, boyfriend can do it. Yeah. And you know, I think that's probably why. If he can do it, I gotta do it too. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I, it's just stuck in my head for, yeah. for a long time. And I thought, you know what? It'd be interesting. It'd be an interesting test or uh, an interesting yeah, test to figure out what it takes to actually learn to mm-hmm. solve this. And what can I leverage today in modern times to figure out how to teach myself how to solve this? And then can I sit back and observe myself while I'm learning it mm-hmm. to learn from how I'm learning? That, that's kind of what my approach was in these last couple of weeks. You just earned your doctorate in learning. <laughs> that's exactly how we design it. Yep. <laughs> so I wanted to talk about what I learned uh, through my process of learning how to solve Rubik's Cube. I thought that, that was kind of interesting because learning is important to me and I, you know, it's important to you it's a, and it is important to everybody. It's how we put roofs over our heads, how mm-hmm. we put mouth, food in our mouth and you know, take care of our family. Uh, 
what we learn and how things we know, the skills that we have are imperative in being able to command some kind of income to take care of ourselves. And so learning as much as we possibly can is extremely important in my opinion Mm -hmm. to that end. And so that's why I'm interested in, in, in especially nowadays as technology is advancing so much faster, people are... People and machines are are learning at a much greater rate and um, we really have to work hard to keep pace with the amount of learning that's taking place in the world today. Totally. Or not. And the people that are going to fall by the wayside, I mean, uh, I I think it's going to... It's, it's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. It's going to be tough moving, especially now moving forward with advances in artificial intelligence and machine learning. Yeah. Um, especially because humans, the, the natural um, tendency for humans is to cede control to the machine mm-hmm. uh, to help feed us the information and the knowledge that we want instead of relying on our own mind. Humans are um, inherently lazy. And, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to get worse and worse from, from maps and GPS mm-hmm. to calculators to internet searches. We're seeding more and more of our cognitive power and control to the machines. Well, at the and, same time, like our brains are made to solve complex problems. So remembering like arbitrary facts isn't necessarily a good use of our brains because right. if we're like just focusing on... <laughs> You know, remembering all these dates and times when we learn history, but not learning the context around the history, right. for example, then that's that's where the meat is, the context around the history, and how do we not repeat it, versus mm-hmm. I know in 1492, Columbus came to the U.S., or mm-hmm. South America, or whatever. See, I don't remember the facts. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's our brains are made for those larger problem-solving functions. Right. Okay, yes. off but, my soapbox. But still, <laughs> ceding control to technology is something I, I think about a lot, yeah. and I don't. I, I want to be cognizant of that and careful about okay. how much I do that. Yeah, from a personal perspective, just yeah. because I want to keep exercising my own brain. Which is ironic from a software engineer. Is it? Why? Yeah, I think so. Why are we stupid? <laughs> no, <laughs> I think that <laughs> you would want to leverage technology more, given that's like your. Um, personal trade and everything. Oh yeah, so, no, yeah. no, no, absolutely. I totally want to leverage technology, but at the same time, I want to keep my, I want to try to keep my brain sharp and mm. be cognizant of the fact that the tendency is for for my human nature to cede uh, control to the machine mm-hmm. to to feed me what I want in terms of knowledge and information. Yeah, that makes sense. And and, and to remember things even. Mm-hmm. There's a whole we could talk for hours. Yeah, on this actually, that's so true. I need to, <laughs> Back, back off of that, but um, okay, so uh, just want to talk about my top five takeaways from observing myself learn how to solve a, a Rubik's Cube and how I went about going about learning. So number one is motivation. You got to be motivated to learn something. And motivation only carries you so far. Mm-hmm. And once that motivation wanes, you need to have the discipline to keep learning. And so, uh, as I said, I've been trying to solve this Rubik's Cube for years, um, but the motivation, you know, wanes. It comes and goes, and, and here it popped up again, and I'm like, well, okay, how can I um, um, establish some structure around my learning, some disciplined structure, uh, a plan for how I can go about learning to figure out how to do this? And so that's what I set about doing, and... Um, so I came. So why was I motivated to do this? I, I don't really know. It, it was just something that that came to me, and I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." I'm tired of looking at this on my desk. I love symmetry. You know, I love symmetry, and I hate seeing this scrambled every day. It was like, 
I want some freaking order in my life, you know? <laughs> I want some symmetry. I'm tired of looking at this unscrambled cube and I don't know how to solve it. So that was one of the things. I just just put it on my desk. And for, for years, I'm like, ah, oh, that's so annoying. <laughs> so I finally have it, you know, symmetry and a solution there. So it gives me peace in my soul, sort of. So that's kind of part of the motivation. And then... Um, then once you have that motivation, establishing a discipline and, and the discipline kind of ties in with your plan. So what was, so I developed a plan thirdly or secondly, well, thirdly, secondly, <laughs> my second point is to develop a plan. And so I had to figure out, I had to figure out my plan. So I had to kind of teach myself what my plan was going to be because I didn't have a teacher mm-hmm. like hand me a syllabus and say, here's your learning plan. I had to, I had to build that myself. So how did I do that? Well, I knew that I wanted some small bite-sized steps that I could follow because I didn't I didn't want to have to read some big long algorithm for how to solve it and like try to try to figure it out I wanted some small steps that I could follow mm-hmm. uh, and digest um, you know easily on a daily basis and then I wanted it visual I wanted somebody show me how how this thing how their hands are twisting it mm-hmm. to to get the various solutions. And so naturally, I gravitated to YouTube. You can, I mean, what can't you find on YouTube? To you know, from fixing your truck to fixing your house to whatever. I mean, everything is out there that you could pretty much. I'm sure there's even how to build a nuclear reactor. I, I think I've read that online. There's anything sure there that you want to learn, you can yeah. find on YouTube. So yeah, I found a, a, something that was perfect for me. Is easiestsolve.com. And they break down a a, a set of algorithm a set is it a single algorithm or a set of algorithms set of algorithms uh, eight algorithms in small bite-sized chunks that you can follow um, to to solve this. And so I would sit down and I I'd, I'd watch the first step and then I would practice it. And then I didn't have a schedule. There's no schedule. There's no test. There's no exam. It was relaxed. Every morning I tried to get up and read uh, 20 pages of a book that I'm interested in. And so after I'm done reading, I would watch one segment or practice. I'd either watch the video or practice. If I didn't have the previous step, all of the previous steps down, mm-hmm. then I wouldn't go on to the next step. Mm-hmm. And and they affirm that in their their uh, session, each video. They want you to be able to do all of the previous steps in a certain period of time before you can move on to the next one. And so I really like that. Mm-hmm. And so it was relaxing for me. I'd sit in my beanbag and I'd drink my coffee and I'd, you know, it was very relaxing. It's kind of meditative. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a morning meditation. And that was another revelation that was very nice. It's a very relaxing way to start the day. Mm-hmm. And so that became my habit. Uh, that was my plan. Um, and and uh, that was my daily discipline mm-hmm. is doing that until I could get through the whole thing. Now, as you, as you watched in the video, I still have some notes. for the, There's seven, step seven and eight I have not memorized yet. It's counter clock, counter flip clock, and then counter, counter flip flip for step seven. And I just... When I get to that point, I know what I'm at that point, but I just haven't committed that to memory yet. I'm, mm-hmm. I guess, lazy, but I'm hoping that I just get it in my motor memory after practicing it uh, each day. And then the final step is flip, and then you clock three times, <coughs> and then you counter five times, and then you clock and counter, and it's solved. And I, I have not committed those. You just those. made it sound so easy. <laughs> I have not, but I have not uh, committed those final two steps to memory yet. 
You'll get there. Oh well. Yeah. Who cares? I can I can still solve it. That's that's really all I cared about. Okay. Uh, so number one, have the motivation and the discipline. Number two, develop a plan. Uh, and you can make your own plan. And it, your plan's got to make you happy, and it's got to be fun. And that's what it was for me. I wanted to be happy and fun and relaxed in doing this. And that I think that environment helps fa facilitate learning. Mm -hmm. No tests. I'm testing myself because I'm the one who's wanting to learn and grow. Well, technically, and, and the Rubik's cube is testing you. It, 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 yeah. This is the test, but nobody's. There's no like multiple. You must get this done. You, and you have to get a certain grade yeah. in order to go to the next step. Like, yeah. Eh, no, forget that. This is this is real learning. You know. Okay. So the third point was um, I needed to reach out and find somebody to coach me. I needed to find somebody with the knowledge who could uh, impart that knowledge to me in small digestible chunks that were easy to understand and that solved my problem for me and then I could then burn into my my neurons. Mm -hmm. and, and so my coach was easytosolve.com and the, the, whoever put those videos together did a great job. It was, it was exactly what I needed and it was fun to watch and there was humor in it and uh, it was I just, it was just a really nice experience actually it's kind of funny uh, okay and number four you've heard the phrase practice 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 mm -hmm. it, I added like 10 more practices after that <laughs> just gotta keep practicing keep practicing mm -hmm. uh, it became evident to me I, I mean of course, we already knew this. We already talked about it. But when you're actually going through it, that kinesia, what do you call it? Kinesthetic feeling of doing something with your hands really reinforces what's going on electrically up here. Mm -hmm. And uh, that it's, it's really cool. It's a really cool feeling. Uh, um, and and I, that's one of the reasons I love software is that kinesthetic hand movement that's also why I love playing the piano it's also mm -hmm. why I love um, playing the bagpipes is feeling feeling your hands and fingers doing something in relation to the electrical stuff going on in your brain mm -hmm. uh, and also the rest of your body so it, it's really interesting to me how your whole body is involved in learning not just the, yeah. the electrical gray matter stuff that's going on up here it's a, it's a whole body thing and in fact, it extends beyond your brain and your body. Mm -hmm. When you think of distributed cognition, mm -hmm. and distributed cognition is the, the notion that you are actually learning to do things uh, using other people, using your environment, using other tools, like a calculator, for example, a uh, computer, you know. Um, our cognition is, is much broader than just what's going on up here. Oh yeah. Uh, so it's really fascinating to think about that. And when you're using the Rubik's Cube, speaking of distributed cognition, you're getting constant feedback from this. Are you, are you right or not? Have you screwed up or not? Oh, I'm not at the pattern. I should be at this step. Dang it, I got to go back to either the previous step or I got to go all the way back to the beginning. Mm -hmm. It's constant feedback loop. And um, it, it's really fascinating. All right, so practice, 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 practice in order to get something down well and to get those myelin sheaths built around your neurons. We talked about that again in episode 30 with uh, our, our read of the book, The Talent Code. And so number five is my, my final takeaway is leverage technology to help you 
learn what you want to learn and what you're excited about learning. What are some ways you leverage technology in your own life to help you learn something? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, YouTube is huge. It's YouTube, yeah. really powerful. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the uh, Coursera, but again, it's more of those videos online and yeah. calculators all the time because numbers are hard. Mm-hmm. So massively online, what do you call them? MOOCs. MOOCs. Massively uh, open. Massively open online courses, MOOCs. Um, I, I have mixed feelings about those. Sometimes I, I learn some things in there, but the structure of it bugs me. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like the, I don't like the quizzes. <laughs> I, the quizzes bother me. Like you have to get a certain score on a quiz before you can go on to the next thing. And that kills the joy for me. It mm-hmm. kills the joy of learning, but I don't know how else to like, how else would the, these people like the, the instructors like judge whether or not you're learning what they're what they're trying to impart i don't know i haven't really thought that much about it but there's just the structured learning i'm not i'm not i'm, I'm more and more i learn about myself i'm not that kind of guy yeah. i don't like the structured learning i like the unstructured learning i like to explore what i want to explore how i want to explore it mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that um and i think there needs to be more of that and i think I think there needs to be uh, more freedom in society for people to learn that way mm-hmm. and to, um, you know, express what they know in other ways other than degrees and certificates and, and whatever. Okay, um, so leverage technology. We're talking about MOOCs. We're talking about you know, of course, the internet. We're talking about calculators. We're talking about. Um, uh, I just learned this week that <laughs> Georgia Tech has the entire Masters in Computer Science online for free. And uh, MIT has similar things and probably Harvard and, and all these other big universities have so much, so many of this, these, these classes and this knowledge that you can, you can go out and, and get for free. There's, like, it's, it's amazing. It, there's nothing... I don't think there's anything you can't you can't learn on your own if you if you learn how to teach yourself if you have the motivation to teach yourself. So to me, that's really really exciting. Um, and then, dude, have you heard of ChatGPT? I have not. You haven't? <laughs> well, I only have because of you <laughs> recently, but yeah. <laughs> Everybody's buzzing about that. And in fact, I started using it. Uh, to and, and it, it is pretty good at like. I've used it to help me convert from various languages, code, coding languages, mm-hmm. like from from Go and like Java, and, it, and it's much more efficient than doing an internet search and then trying to find something in Stack Overflow or some of the search engines, and, and maybe you'll find somebody who's actually posted a blog post on it. Mm. What's really fascinating is how search is going to change here in the future, and, and it's I think it's going to it's not going to be uh, in the format of people who have written up a blog post about how to do something, it's going to be distilled into some mod- some computer model, some computer brain, mm-hmm. and, and spit out that way. And so you're going to get that knowledge more directly. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Less distilled or um, more directly, and, and instead of having to read through a blog post or pull pull something out of Stack Overflow or something like that. And that's I think a really fascinating paradigm shift that I think we're going to see moving forward. Mm-hmm. Quicker access to that information that you're you're truly looking for without having to sift through 
thought processes and, and stuff like that. It's kind of like getting to knowledge without having to read a research paper. Mm-hmm. That's pretty of. cool, yeah. And, and, and ChatGBT just lays it out for you and explain, even explains it to you. It's pretty, yeah. it's, pretty, it's pretty good. Which leads me to another point. Um, it's not bad to be a Luddite either. I, I think you humans can be both. They can leverage technology to do what they need to do faster, better, stronger. But it's also to be a Luddite and a Luddite, someone who wants to smash the machines and, and just rely on their own, own humanity. I think you need that as well. And uh, some, th some stories that kind of help exemplify that, um, that I tell in the blog post is that one, some coworkers and I were talking about some movie, some movies, some movie trivia. I forget what we were talking about. And there was some actor's name that we couldn't remember. And uh, our natural intuition instinct was to just do, well, let's, let's search this guy's name and uh, continue on with our discussion. But then I was like, no, 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 let's, let's make a bet. Let's see who can come up with this actor's name organically mm -hmm. first. And so we agreed, and we didn't search for it, but then that killed the conversation, and we were like, wow, come on, let's pop this thing into our head. But, um, so we went away, and then, like, the next day, it just, bu it just bubbled, like an air bubble popped into my head. Nick Nolte. Ah, yeah. Nick Nolte was the actor we were trying to remember. And so I call this the Nick Nolte effect. <laughs> Have you ever had a thing that you couldn't remember, and you're just like, oh, I'm just going to let my brain percolate on it for a little bit, and then all of a sudden it just pops in your head. Mm -hmm. That's awesome how that works. Yeah. However, it's very slow and inefficient. But at the same time, you're exercising, right? It's an exercise. It's like, come on, man. You got you to gotta work. You got to work your brain. Because if you don't work it, it's not going to work anymore. <laughs> it's going to atrophy. It's, it's like your muscles. You got you to gotta, you gotta put it to work. You got to have the discipline to put it to work. Mm -hmm. And so the Nick Nolte effect for me is a reminder that um, you gotta, you gotta have discipline to exercise the noodle, and that's one way to do it: is to not cede absolute control to the machines for what goes on up here. Mm -hmm. uh, another perfect example: we were sitting on the couch, we watched the, the show 1889 on mm -hmm. Netflix. Really good, um, really good, kind of spooky show. And there's a, a song that the captain's daughter sings. It's a very haunting melody. And very, very pretty. And I heard it. I was like, man, I got to find out what that what that song is. And so I was searching all, all around and I couldn't find it. And finally, somebody mentioned the name of it somewhere in the YouTube somewhere or something. And so I learned the song. And I learned a little bit about the history of it. Dika Duncan's Zin Fry. And it's, a re it's really a pretty song. And it's got a good meaning. And, and so I liked it. I, and so for weeks after sh watching the show, I would you know, walk around the house humming that song. And it would drive her crazy. Um, and until I forgot it, probably because of her. I probably just pushed it out of my memory because it annoyed her. And so I just let it go. I just let the memory go because of her. But um, then last week, we were like, how does that song go again? I can't, do you remember the tune? I couldn't remember the tune. And so your instinct was, well, I'm going to search it up. And I was like, no, <laughs> the Nolte effect. <laughs> so we didn't search for it. Mm -hmm. So I'm sleeping on the couch today and I wake up and immediately I'm singing that whole tune in my song mm -hmm. or that whole song in my head. Mm -hmm. It just popped into my head again. Nick Nolte, Nick Nolte <laughs> effect.
So I still, it's still working. So it's good. I'm still building folds in my brain. So it's really interesting to watch like you learn and the process of how you learn because that's exactly what we do when we build learning. Exactly what we do. And so I was really impressed with you that you were able to take all this knowledge and decipher it and literally turn it into the key points for all the adult learning principles. And that was really awesome. Um, so it was really, I was really proud of you for being able to do that and recognizing yourself. So it's, it's a, like the, there's this one woman, uh, Lauren Waldman, uh, and she has a company called the Learning Pirate, and her acronym is YAR. You are really ready. I love her. She's a <laughs> she was a former chief learning officer, cognitive neuroscience. She's freaking awesome. But she breaks it down into how we build learning into like a couple of easy steps: what to learn, the learning map, <laughs> and uh, then design it for learning and micro micro learning components, and then measure the learning. And so it was like, yep, 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 he nailed it all. And so, <laughs> yep, yep. Very impressed. You could be a you could be a learning professional now. Um, and it was. Can I have an honorary doctorate? You can. can you <laughs> yes, the Cable Doctorate. We're gonna. Yeah, Cable University. Cable University. <laughs> Cable University. So, University. So it, it was interesting to listen to you and how you processed because when you talked about the um, the failure rate, the failing is extremely important in how our brains work. Mm. Because if we don't have that failure, one, we're not challenged, and two, when we talked about in the talent code, the deep learning piece, that's where the learning actually occurs. So you fail and you're like, shit, why did I fail? And then you went back and then you refocused and mm -hmm. tried it again and again until like, oh, no, I got it. Mm -hmm. When you also talked about motivation and then, okay, you get this one step and now you get to the next step. Part of that, too, is our brains have to be challenged. If we're not challenged, we lose motivation. So now, I mean, obviously, those last three steps, you solved it. Okay, you're good. You don't need to really reinforce them because you solved it. Um, and, and maybe you still do, but it sounds like your motivation was waning a little bit because I got it done. I've reached my goal. Uh, a little bit. I still want to get those last two steps so I don't have to rely on a sticky to get through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's, that makes sense. Uh, and then how we learn overall, in case you guys are curious. So our brain has about 85 billion neurons, which is really freaking cool, I think. And a neuron is a cell that sends messages to the body. So like when you're learning how to write, for example, for something that's a little bit um, tangible for most people, that neural pathway is, in, is built where your brain just immediately, like your neural pathway is built to your fingers where your, it starts working. So when you are working through the Rubik's Cube, like your fingers learn that neural pathway was built. And then once we do something once, we have a neural pathway, which is really cool. Um, and but if we don't keep using it, then it goes away. So those, <laughs> uh, if you like, I don't know, take a painting class or you travel to Paris and go on the metro one or the once, and it's really cool. The neural pathway is built. You go back to America, never go back to Paris. You're gonna forget how to ride the metro in Paris. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, but, or if you're learning a new language, sometimes those grooves are really deep that you're going to forget some of them, but they're going to go away. So if you mm -hmm. learn Spanish as a kid, right? Mm, not really, no. No, okay. Bit, <laughs> well, so a lot of people like to take languages as a kid and then um, they know it really well, but then as adults, they don't use it for 20 years and yeah. suddenly they're in Paris <laughs> and the cat likes it. <laughs> oh, and then you're like trying to remember those words. Shoot, what was the word for bus? Um, and so it's uh, 
they disappear, but not necessarily all the way if they, those grooves are really there. Mm -hmm. So about the practice, practice piece, practice, the practice. practice, 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 the more you practice it, the deeper those grooves get. So you build yeah. that neural pathway first, and then you practice, and it really gets through. And then it's the groove is so deep, you will never forget how to do a Rubik's Cube. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so for future, right. for the, you, those of you who are one one of your brains work for learning, that's it. <laughs> Read the blog. <laughs> yeah. Just one other point. Um, uh, her dad gave me this article from the Washington Post this week, speaking of ChatGBT, uh, this past week. Uh, it's about a Princeton student who's trying to develop some software to help people discern whether or not uh, things being written have been written by a machine or a human. Yeah. And so this is this is where we're getting to. Like, it's getting so hard to discern who's doing what now because the machines are getting so, yeah. so good at uh, mimicking human skills and abilities and behaviors. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe not necessarily behaviors yet, but, <laughs> but yeah. So... That, that's why, just to reiterate the importance of our own human um, learning and the breadth and depth that we need to continue to focus on is very important <laughs> moving forward if we're going to have any kind of successful relationship with the technology that yeah. we're developing. So Totally. Anyway, that's any, any other parting thoughts? No. Thanks a lot for listening to this episode of the Dream 10X Podcast. This is brought to you by Nautilus Tracker LLC, and we will see you in a couple of weeks. Woohoo! Over now. Bye. Dream on. Dream on.